the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black. I work with EP Wealth. I do a lot of talking about the strategies, hints, tips, tricks, tools that you need to use to get to retirement. It's kind of my goal. That's kind of my shtick. One of the areas that I really want to improve for you is this isn't that hard if you do some things correctly. First and foremost, let me remind you, I think the best way to get wealthy is through your 401k, your 403b, or your 457. They're all very similar retirement plans. They all have funny names, 401, 403b, 457. They're all divisions or codes from the uh, tax code with the IRS. It's just a way for you to save income, your income from your work while you're working. It's not taxed heavily. You still pay some state taxes, uh, but you skip the federal taxes. It's a beautiful way to save for retirement. The money grows tax-free if you have capital gains. You don't pay those. And in theory, right now while you're working your 401k, your tax bracket as a worker, if you're making 50000 60000 70000 80000 100000 200000 it's going to be higher than when you retire. And you're living off that, that much smaller amount of money that the states and the federal government wants to tax. So you know your goal of your 401k is to save. But while you've been working hard to contribute part of your salary, life may sometimes get in the way. And I get that. I look at it as a bucket of money that you never, ever touch unless there is a true emergency, which would be unexpected medical bills or a house sustaining significant damage due to a fire or tornado. I do not look at it as your way to pay for a vacation, your way to pay for a car, your way to pay for a TV. Cashing out your 401k is a decision that you should never make lightly. And if you do, you're going to stunt or retard, like a flame retardant. You're going to financially retard your ability to save money for retirement and have a big fat nest egg. So I don't even like saying take out your 401k in case of emergency. I'd rather you lend money or borrow money from a family member, but I get it. Um, there may be a few reasons why you would consider withdrawing from your 401k. The simplest may be you're in retirement. And hopefully that's when you're 59 and a half and you need to start supporting yourself with your nest egg, your 401k savings. If you save 5% of your of your income in your 20s, you're on your way. But you got to get up to 15% of saving of your income to really start replacing your, your income in retirement with your nest egg. Your situation may more, be more complicated. I get it. I don't want to say I was born privileged, but I've done everything I can not to tap my 401k. There are eligible 401k distributions. Every now and then you'll see an emergency. Um, hit the United States and you'll say, you know, we're going to let you tap your 401k if you need to. Typically, you must wait until you reach 59 and a half years old to withdraw funds 
Otherwise, you get taxed 10%. And it's not fun. You saved money, you worked hard, and you're going to get a 10% tax because you want it before you're supposed to. So you got to wait till you're 59 and a half. You're supposed to, to start tapping it before you're 72. If you could wait till 72, it's grown further and farther for you, which is a beautiful thing. As a soccer coach once would say, beautiful, beautiful, that's a beautiful thing. Here are some qualified hardships, medical care expenses incurred, costs directly tied to the buying or of a primary residence. Yeah, you can take money out to buy a home. I don't recommend it. Because again, then you're confusing your bucket of savings for retirement with your bucket of savings for a home. I think you have to split the two. Tuition, um, if you need to fork over some money for the first 12 months of post-secondary education, money necessary to prevent eviction or foreclosure. These are some of the reasons. Funeral expenses. Additionally, some 401k plans allow you to borrow. You can take out a loan, usually up to 50% of the money you've invested in the account to a maximum of $50,000, but you have to repay it within five years. Here's the problem. If you lose your job, you have to repay it almost immediately. And yes, borrowing against yourself may be cheaper, maybe wiser in some cases than borrowing from a bank. But again, I think it's the wrong mentality. The process of withdrawing from a 401k, um, it's going to depend on your employer and withdrawal method. Good people to check in with is HR, human resources. They should know or they should say, I will get you the answer. Um, Again, I don't recommend it. When I'm of retirement age, and again, for a 401k, it's going to be between 59 and a half and 72. I'm going to say, look, financial planner Brad, who I'm talking with today at EP Wealth, here's my 401ks. Here's my regular accounts. Here's my emergency money. You tell me how I withdraw this because he's going to punch all that stuff into a computer and the computer is going to spit out the most efficient way to distribute my wealth to me in retirement years. It is a little bit more complicated than saying I need 4% from that one. You can try that method, but don't make mistakes because the penalty is 10% and you might don't want to mess up. You may feel you need cash out of your 401k. I get the feeling of a need, but be very, very careful because the consequences can be expensive and it can be long-term hurting your financial retirement plans. The IRS dictates that your age impacts your withdrawals from your 401k. If you try to cash out the plan before 59 and a half, the funds will receive, uh, you'll face an income tax, but you'll also get a 10% penalty. That's brutal. Withdrawing before 59 and a half typically will result in a 20% of the withdrawn amount being withheld. So if you cash in $2,000, you're really only going to get $1,600. And then you're going to 1099R form from the IRS, which you need to include in your taxes. It's really something you want to try to avoid. It's to me, tapping the 401k early is robbing from future retirement savings. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds, you know, come on, Rob, I saved the money. I should tap the money. No, have an emergency fund long before you tap a 401k and then only use it for emergencies, like I said death in the family, roof being torn off your your house, kid needing money for college, funeral expenses. Um, You got to draw some lines. 
cash out your 401k does give you so much more immediate access to funds than other alternatives. Some do use it temporary fix for things like debt. I would be very, very cautious. If you lose your job, money from a 401k can help cover living expenses while you job search. But while it does that immediate fix, it also harms your financial situation in the future. There are no right answers. There's only compromises in finance. That's one of the things I truly, truly believe. Saving for retirement is one of the main reasons every day people work so hard. So you have a bucket for emergency funds. You have a bucket for a boat. You have a bucket for a house. You have a bucket for retirement. Whatever your buckets are important to you, you write on the name of that bucket and and you try not to, and I hate saying this because this makes me sound weird. You try not to steal from Peter to pay Paul. You try not to take from one bucket for another bucket. Retirement uh, planning is very, very complex. It can be stressful. If you're not sure what your vision looks like, consider speaking with a financial advisor or a financial planner. I like the CFP designation. Um, There's all sorts of free tools out there on the internet. I don't really like the free tools because a lot of times they come with a price of not being complete and thorough, not taking into account things like taxes. Um, So be very cautious on that. Social security is another source of income you can expect during your senior years. Your 401k is one income source. Your 401k, 403b457. Your social security is another income source. I've worked my butt off, so I have another income source, um, which is like on top of my nest egg. It could be an annuity. It could be a retirement account. It could be a Roth IRA. It could be many, many, many things. Financial planning is a little complex. There's some rules you need to follow. But you can do this. I know you can. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Let's do a tip, hint, trick of Wall Street. I recently saw that Apple is now the biggest short on Wall Street. Who was the previous biggest short? I'll let you take a second. Let you take a second. It's stock that's gone up and up and up and up and up. That's your hint. It's a stock that's gone up and up and up for a long period of time. It's a stock that you go, I probably should have bought that 10 years ago, nine years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago. People have seen it go up and up and up and up, and they've sat on the sidelines. So what do you do when something's gone that up far up? Do you jump in on the momentum or do you say, nope, I'm going to short it? Wall Street works where you want to buy low and sell high. That means going long on a position. You're buying low. And you want to go long and sell later in life when it's up. But you can do something called shorting where you basically sell long and then you wait, 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 wait for the stock to drop and you buy low. It's magical. It does the same exact thing. I don't short stocks. Why? Because I don't have to. Why? Because in the 1970s, Americans bought pet rocks. We bought invisible dogs, which were basically dog collars with a lot of starch. So they didn't move around and it looked like, wow, it's, it's, it's floating off the the top of the surface. It should be going lower, but it's not. There must be an invisible dog in it. It's ridiculous. I remember both of those pet rocks where you would get a rock in the uh, box and it would have a name and it would have a little story about it. And then you would put that rock maybe on your desk or your 
your uh, near your bed stand. So I don't short stocks because we're pretty stupid as a nation. Okay, I just said, who's the number one short? The number one short has now been displaced by a new company. The number one short for a long period of time, 864 days, in fact, was Tesla. Stock you kept watching go up and you're like, I bet it falls. They have an impossible PE, infinity PE. They can't possibly make money. They made money. They can't possibly make a lot of money. They made a lot of money. So they kept defying the odds and killing the shorts. So Apple is now the number one short. Um, how long will it last? Is it because people suddenly don't like Apple? It's probably more that people have covered their shorts with Tesla, bringing them down to a more normalized level. And Apple is suddenly looking like, oh, you're the guy with the biggest short interest. Here's another reason I don't short stocks, because you basically have already sold high and you want to buy low. So that means you're going to have to buy in order to cover. If Apple goes to zero, everyone who owns that stock gets nothing because they never bought it back. Everyone who shorted that stock gets nothing because they never bought it back. So you got to cover. And covering means you buy. And if it's number one in shorts, that means there's a lot of future buyers. Wall Street is made up of salmon. Um, When they're all swimming in the same direction, they're all buying. Stocks go higher. And when you're trying to fight it, it's, it's tough to fight. When you have the cells come in, it's a gradual change. It's not something as a shareholder of Apple that causes me distress. I've owned Apple for 17 years. I only started selling it in 2021 um, with covered calls. And then I sold a couple chunks of it. Still by far and away, my largest position. In 2022, it had a very nice run while the stock market did not. And a lot of shorts have come into it and said, you know what? You've gone too far, too fast, and the whole rest of the market looks problematic. You can look at data and say the iPhone 14 is not selling terribly well. The i14 Plus is facing no delay after nearly a week of pre-orders. It's because the i14 iPhone 14 Plus is no different than the iPhone 13 Plus. Now, the, the, the phones that are considered Pro and Pro Max are selling very well, and they have a long delay. Here's another cheat sheet for you. To see if Apple's selling well is go to their website, try to order a phone, and if it says it's, del- it's going to be delivered in three weeks, that's a good sign. If it's going to be delivered in three days, that's a bad sign. So right now, you can say the iPhone 14 Plus is facing no delay. That means little demand. Um, I've become accustomed to reading reviews. And they say the only reason to get an iPhone 14 is if you go with the Pro or the Pro Max levels this year. Not that much more expensive than the iPhone 14 Plus or the iPhone 14. Um, But way better cameras and a nicer, faster processor. But other than that, there's not a lot of difference. Even though Apple had this great presentation, like, look at how great this camera is. Holy mackerel. Their presentations are pretty funny. If you go to YouTube and watch one, um, due to COVID, they now record them, and they're kind of like, you know those commercials that you see in movie theaters? Where they're like, that's not quite a television commercial. That's pretty well done on a Hollywood set. 
It's one of those. So back to the idea of shorting. I don't short stocks. I understand my why you may want to, but I just don't do it. Um, I've seen too many times where I know a stock's going to go down and it just keeps going up like Tesla. Um, now there's some weird fancy strategies you could do where you could buy a little bit of Tesla and you could short a little bit of Tesla thinking, okay, if I'm right and it goes higher, I'm a winner. If I'm wrong, if I'm right and it goes lower, I'm a winner. Um, I have a father-in-law who bets on five horses in a horse race and he always picks a winner, but he always loses. Don't spread your bets too much. Don't be involved in stock. In my opinion, if you think it's a civil war, um, it's just going to get you into trouble. So I don't short stocks, even when it's obvious to me that you should be shorting a stock. Um, what's an obvious short to me? AMC. Last year is a meme stock. GameStop. GameStop has no business being in business. I know that sounds mean of me, but it, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when we didn't have internet downloads, you'd go to a GameStop and you'd say, mom, mom, I'm going to go in this store and you can go shop at Macy's if you want. I'm going to go in this store. And you'd watch the video games that are on the monitors and you'd possibly play if they had one set up. And you'd look at the back of the boxes like, whoa, God of War looks awesome. But the internet got faster and faster and unlimited downloads became more of a thing. And Sony and Microsoft said, why are we paying... GameStop, a middleman fee. We're going to set up our own stores and make more money. It's an obvious short to me. And if I had shorted it in 2021, I would have got my lunch handed to me. No, thank you. AMC, during the pandemic, no one's going to movies. Everyone's afraid. An obvious short. No revenue equals not being able to pay your rent. No paying your rent equals going out of business. Coming back from pandemic, we're a little bit more hesitant to be in large groups. It seems like, you know, and, and no, too many people will rally around a, a, a pet rock. Too many people will rally around a, an invisible dog. I don't short stocks. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Now back to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. I pay a lot of attention to the millennials and Generation Z. I'm Generation X. Um, my generation was considered the lost generation. My generation was considered not as smart as the previous generation. The baby boomers, as they've aged, I've watched them take more pharmaceuticals. So it's a big, large chunk of America. We were taking more pharmaceuticals for blood thinners and uh, drugs to keep them alive. Drugs to keep and fight erectile dysfunction. Have those commercials ever got easier to watch? There's a new one on from a company called Roman where the guy's like, hey, I'm 26 years old and I look good and I've got erectile dysfunction. It's not easy to talk about. And you're like, oh, will this commercial ever end? It's better than Brett Favre throwing a football through a tire talking about erectile dysfunction is like um yes we learned this in 10th grade we get what you're trying to show us here but um yes i pay attention to generations it's part of my shtick on wall street it's sometimes it's the spending generation x i hate because we're saving for retirement we're not spending generation y and z and millennials however you want to call them 
Um, they're buying homes. They're saving for retirement. Not as much. They're going out and living life experience. You've heard about millennials really, you know, wanting to live life and getting upset at their bosses that, yeah, we don't really care about the 401k. We want sushi. Can you get sushi for us? And you're like, gosh, these uh, millennials are, are pretty uh, missing the point because we're at the point where, yeah, we've already gone through our desire phase as Generation Xers. If I can go back in time and get 6% uh, 401k match versus uh, two weeks off, I'm going for that 6%. Whatever perk was offered to me, it's not as good as you know more money in retirement. Now that I've hit an age where I'm affluent, I'm spending money like I should have when I was in my 20s or like I could have in my 20s. I've seen more live concerts this year than in the previous five years put together. I've done more things with my family at at live events um, because I have a fluency and because I can. I don't like seeing the 20-somethings going out and saying, you know what, we're going to go spend big money on New Year's Eve for a white party and we're going to fly to LA and we're all going to wear white and we're all going to dance until four in the morning. And it's $1,000 to get in because DJ Ratface or DJ marshmallow or dj somebody's playing i'd rather you just be with your loved ones or your friends and party until four in the morning with costco champagne but that's me i think it's just as good of an experience in your 20s while not sacrificing your retirement generation z trust a man more than warren buffett for financial advice this is fascinating. When I saw this story, there's a guy on TikTok who's got 3.3 million followers and he dishes out personal advice. I was like, okay, I will dig into this. Uh, when asked which social media and financial influencers they follow the most and trust the most, baby boomers and generation Xers said Warren Buffett. He's the man. He's the man. He's like Michael Jordan. He's the goat, the greatest of all time. But Generation Z threw me for a curve when Warren Buffett comes in fifth place. I'm like, what are you guys thinking? Number one financial guru to Generation Z, a man named Humphrey Yang. He's a former financial advisor for Merrill Lynch. Good. He realized back in 2019 that few people were dishing financial advice on TikTok. He wanted to be the first person doing it. He since amassed 3.3 million followers. He's gotten profiled by Fortune Magazine. So the savings accounts paying basically more than they were in the past, he's out there saying whether or not you should have some top tips for saving. He says one of his top tips in the article was track your expenses. Okay, I'm not against that. I want to hate the guy because he's not Warren Buffett. But he says the best habit you can adopt is, if you want to save money, is know where you spend dollars. Rather than outsource the job of tracking the expenses to an app like Mentor, Y-N-A-B. He says manually track your expenses using something called Spending Tracker as an app. I'm okay outsourcing it to Mint or Y-N-A-B or uh, any sort of app that collects your financial data through your bank. But here's the problem. All my financial data goes through my bank and all my credit cards go into my... I've got a very fancy uh, budget tracker. 
So I punch in my three credit cards, I punch in my bank account, and it tracks everything. It tells me what I'm spending on groceries. It tells me what I'm spending on investments. It tells me what I'm spending on alcohol. So if I ever need to save more money, I know, ooh, I can cut alcohol or I can cut vacations. Um, So I'm not against him saying, let's do it the old-fashioned way, a little bit more slowly while you're at the grocery store, punch in. $300 groceries. I just like it automated. When it's automated, it becomes a problem because what's the difference between a local grocery store where you buy alcohol and say the corner store 7-Eleven? Sometimes the apps, you really have to work them to say, okay, the Holly Market in San Carlos is where I would buy beer and wine on the way home from work. Whereas the Bianchini's is where I was buying food, but I was also buying beer and wine. So it gets a little bit like there's crossover, right? For the record, some people think beer and wine is food. I do not. And for the record, I don't drink as much as I allude to on the show. But it's part of a show, so I kind of embellish it a little bit to make it more understandable for you, more relatable. Or do I? <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, so I, I I get it. He likes um, tracking expenses. I'm not against that. Uh, number two, money-saving tip. Don't get tricked by car dealership shenanigans. Lease a car right now is extremely expensive. Uh, putting 3000 to $5,000 when you lease a car will lower your monthly payments. If you won't get that money back in a car wreck, you're taking a lot of risks. Keep the money. Instead, opt to pay a higher monthly payment. It's going to protect your assets in the long run, he advises. I, I I don't lease cars. I don't see the math in leasing cars. I would lease a car only if I was a baby and I needed to have a new car every year or every three years. I would lease a car only if I was a baby. I've got a truck now that's got 100,000 plus miles on it. I want to take it to 250,000. My last SUV, which I bought when I was in my 20s. I bought it because my friends were, were just jerks and they would never drive. We'd go skiing and it'd be like, always fall on me to drive. And someone else would have like a tiny four door. Nope, can't go in that one. Um, so I bought a car for my friends, which not the best financial decision, but it did create some life experiences on skiing, right? Um, car dealerships are getting around a high monthly loan by extending the loan period to 36, from 36 months to 17 months. If you're taking out a six-year, seven-year loan on a car, you're doing something wrong. You're buying more car than you need. I always find it kind of sexy when I'm at a red light and I look over and I see a young person, 25 years old, driving just a beat up piece of poop, just a nasty, horrible car. Now I go, I hope my kids don't do that because they can break down and get on the other side of the road. A trucker can come and kill them. But financially speaking, I think it's very sexy and very cool to see people driving old cars and getting everything they can out of them. I do it. I've got two vehicles that I expect to last a very, very long time. I buy reliable automobiles. Okay. And this guy from, he's a TikTok influencer. His name is Humphrey Yang. He's the number one TikTok influencer in finance. His third financial tip, and I wanted to hate him, and so far I don't, is buy things in bulk. (laughs) This is a little too simplified, but I agree with it. 
paper towels, toothpaste in bulk. When you buy a large amount of anything, the price per unit gets cheaper. If you have storage in your house for 10 rolls of toilet paper or 20 rolls of toilet paper, I know someone who used to store toilet paper in the back of their car because it was lightweight. It didn't change their gas mileage. They knew where the toilet paper was when, uh, hey, honey, we're out of toilet paper. Can you grab me a roll? They knew it was in the back of the car. It's funny. It's stupid. It's effective. Um, but there's enough storage space in my home that I can store toilet paper underneath a bed if I need to. I don't have friends coming over looking under my bed. Oh, look at that. That's weird. Toilet paper. I don't have a fear of toilet paper lighting in the middle of the night and bed on fire. Now, I just watched that Farrah Fawcett movie where she's domestically abused and she lights her husband's bed on fire. I'd probably go, yeah, I don't think toilet paper underneath my bed is a good idea. But at this time, knock on wood, I don't feel a big fear that my bed's going to inflame. So, yes, I store stuff in funny places. I buy batteries in bulk. Yes, I know. Um, I'm a bulk buyer. So you do it any way you want. Beg, steal, or borrow. I like hints, tips, and tricks. Um, but I think it's a little bit more than that. I don't think 3.3 million people should be saying buy in bulk, track spending and lease a car. Don't lease a car. I don't see that as enough financial advice as generation Z. Where's the 401k? He has that. So I'm not going to be upset about this, but I'll be honest with you. Not my first choice as a guru or a Buddha, but it's nice to see the kids are starting to think about money a little bit younger. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. His name, again, if you want to pass it on to your kids, Humphrey Yang. He does have a background as a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch, and he's a TikToker. I am not. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. It's a funny thing, but you can save too much for retirement. I, I've been reading your emails and... One of them came to me that said both my kids are expected to inherit about $10 million from their uh, dad. So it was a divorced family. Father eventually passes away. Um, but it's being inherited in a funny way that it's a chunk of money going to each kid. My family is still going through the executor process with the family. My brother, David, was the executor of the will because he was my father's favorite son. Um, he's probably also the most responsible. Um, interestingly enough, he is a judge and I am a financial, not planner, but I work with financial planners and I've been with financial planners and I was a registered investment advisor for 20 years. Not 20 years, but close. Um, but how much do you leave to your kids and in what way do you leave it to your kids? Big chunks, is, I don't think, is the right way to do it. Um, in my father's case, it's a large amount of money that all of us are going to get. And it's interesting because some of it was in shares of Apple. I've got four brothers and a sister. Do you think they're all going to agree? Let's split the stocks and bonds and um, mutual funds and ETFs evenly and you all get one-sixth of a share of Apple? or one-sixth of the shares of Microsoft. We could have done that, but there was one brother who wanted cash. The cash option is a little bit less than the stock option because the stock options, uh, you have to pay the capital gains since the, uh, my mother, the final heir, or the final um, 
person in the will passed and we still haven't distributed 20 months later in large part due to COVID and traveling back and forth to sign documents in person. It slowed the process, but of course one brother wants it in cash and of course three brothers want it in, um, in kind assets where you get the shares of Apple, you get the shares of the mutual fund, you get the shares of the ETF in like kind split equally. So it's going to go to the cash option and we're going to get a little bit less. He wants to buy a house. He wants to pay off credit cards or something with the cash, right? The rest of us are like, ah, we don't need the money. We weren't really counting on much. So we wanted to save it for retirement. And why pay more in taxes? So having your kids get 10 million each in a chunk of change is a big problem, especially if they're under 25. In my estate plan, my kids get money at 25, 35, and 45. Hopefully they 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 don't blow the money at 25. They get a chunk of change when I die. Then they'll get it three chunks of change after that. I've set up the trust so that if they ever get divorced, the assets stay in their name and not in their spouse's name. It's not because I don't trust them. It's not that I don't trust their 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 future partner. It's that I it is that I don't trust them. <laughs> I don't trust their future partner. And I worked hard and I'd rather the money stay with my blood than my blood's bad decision who happened in Mexico with too much tequila one night. Um, that's oversimplifying it. I'm not saying anything against Mexico. I'm not saying anything against the tequila. I'm just trying to say we've all made bad financial decisions when it comes to love. And I don't ever want that to be an issue with them. So, and even... Even with me and my spouse, if my spouse dies, I control the estate. But if I get remarried, it never, ever goes to my new wife, who's going to be 25 years old. We all know that because Rob is shallow and vapid and uh, an inch deep and a mile wide. So I'm going to go with the trophy. And that trophy, if I die on an excursion skiing adventure in mysterious circumstances, she doesn't get all the money. It stays with the blood, the children. Um, I don't know what's important to you. That's what's important to me. And, you know, I could have said it the other way, where if I die first, my wife inherits all of our assets and she comes the controller of the estate and she could get remarried to an 18 year old pool boy and he could fleece her for all her money. It's not going to happen. Legally, it's not going to happen. So anytime I see an email from you that like my kids are inheriting $10 million or $5 million or $2 million, I go, why are you doing it like that? Um, when you do have your kids inherit a big chunk of change, tell them to meet with a financial advisor who is a CFP. I only like that designation because to be quite honest with you, there's too many designations. A friend of mine out of college got a job at Smith Barney and he was senior vice president. I'm like, what's that mean? He's just like, oh, nothing. I'm just a broker. But it looks good on a business card. He wasn't prepared to handle giving investment advice to children. Um, and yet he was put in that position where you thought he was qualified. I don't like most financial firms out there. The ones that I do like are TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, and Vanguard. And once we start getting into some of the other players, I'm like, why? Why do you need... Um, a brokerage firm who's not one of those guys. 
it's because you're trying to be cheap. There's some financial planners, but they're not really financial planners. A lot of people will make up certifications that don't really exist. Um, senior financial planner. And you're like, nope, that's not a designation. Divorced financial planner. It can be if there's a, a registered trademark behind that name. You'll know. I like CFPs only. And then you have to put that little copyright R behind their lettering uh, because they're considered fiduciaries. And if they're considered fiduciaries, they do what's in your best interest. If my kids inherited $10 million at age 21, they're going to blow it. But let's just say they did. I'd at least want a CFP to get involved and say, okay, you know what? We're going to do 80% long-term retirement, 20% fun. I'd rather have someone who's reasonable look over their scenarios. Anyhow, what's your plan for retirement? I expect you to get a trust when you're worth a million plus dollars and own a house in California. And I expect you to work with a financial planner when you're worth you're heading towards retirement. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Need a referral to a financial planner? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.